dangerously close. This episode was brought to you by William Mitchell Audio. Now, longtime listeners of this podcast will know that I have had to come up with literally tens of jokes for these ads. So I've decided to follow in the footsteps of many great artists who have decided to not try very hard to come up with new material. And that solution, of course, is autotune. William Mitchell Audio. He brings professionalism and excellence to every job he does. Go www.williammitchellaudio.com. Go to williammitchellaudio.com. My guest today is Cindy Moore. Cindy Moore is a commercial beekeeper in the state of New York and Florida, running about 1,300 hives. She's a pollinator and honey producer. She's been in the business for nearly 17 years. She was born in the Bronx, but grew up in Honduras, and she moved back to the U.S. when she was 14. Her home base is in New York, but she migrates to Florida in the winter where they stage the bees to feed them and prepare them for the almond pollination in California. The day she's not in her bee suit, she's in her shop bottling honey, making candles, and all the other projects they have at the farm. What's up, Cindy? Hey, what's up? Uh, I guess I have to say uh, first, thank you so much for taking the time to do this because I know you're in the middle of a harvest season and I know that's extremely busy and I know that being a farmer can be a very... Uh, very hard job so yeah no thank you for having me um I do tend to have Sundays off not off but like today right now making candles yeah um, so maybe not the most <laughs> the most labor intensive part of your, of your week so anyway like, exactly. I, like I said I know that you're in the middle of harvest season and you're very busy and I really appreciate you taking that time uh I did want to say one thing just real quick uh it's part of you know why I wanted to talk to you in the first place is just that like Anyone that knows me really well has definitely heard me say that I want to be a beekeeper because every time I like I see it on TV or on YouTube or wherever I might see someone doing that, I'm always like, oh, I want to do that. It looks so cool. But I have to be completely honest. I don't know anything about beekeeping, even though I tell people I want to do it. I don't have any knowledge of what it is you do or like what your career is like or how hard it is. Or even if like maybe if I found out what really went into it maybe I wouldn't want to be yeah, like maybe I think it was too hard for me uh I just wanted to <laughs> I wanted to get that across that it's something that I am fascinated by I think it's super cool but also I had to admit that I'm really naive so okay. uh but I guess that gives me an opportunity to get really super educated today <laughs> yeah for sure um a lot of people tell me the same thing oh I want to be a beekeeper they see it on tv and they see that it's just this cool person in this bee suit handling frames of bees and it looks cool, you know, but it's the total opposite. <laughs> Beekeeping, it's, it's, it's like any other farming. It's very hard work. It's very physical. Um, and one of the things is that you're always dirty. Always dirty and stinky. And <laughs> this is, you know, I might have a complete uh, like, like illusion of it, but like 
because I'm not uh, averse to hard work and I'm, I don't mind getting dirty. Like, you know, I, I could definitely see myself like really enjoying doing all types of different farming work, but for some reason, it almost seems to me like almost like meditative to a certain extent. Is that, or is it actually very stressful? I don't, does that make even, even make sense? That, that wasn't a written question. That just I know, I know what you mean. No, I know what you mean. Yes, it can. If you're a hobbyist and you got the time, you know, you get home from work and you just want to distress yourself and then you go and, and open up a beehive and, you know, look at the queens and look what they're doing and it's so relaxing. But on the other side, the commercial side, we don't get to do that too much. Okay, um, yeah. Yes, I do. Like sometimes on Sundays, I would take my time and I will, without a bee suit, I will go and visit my girls. That's what I tell um, <laughs> my friends. I will go visit my girls. But it's only once in a while. The rest of the times it's like hustling yeah. for us. Um, so, but I, I know what you mean. It, it, it is relaxing at some level. Like I said, if you're a hobbyist, have a couple of, of hives, um, you know, getting the honey out of them. It's, it's, um, it's very fascinating, I find it. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking that you would be so fascinated by what's going on and and the bees themselves and the colonies and how it all works. That's why it seemed to me like it would almost be soothing sometimes because it's like just getting immersed in that world. That's, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, me doing um, that many hives, you know, sometimes it's very busy and I got to keep going. I don't have the time to look for the queen. or I don't have the time to watch the babies be born. Um, Cause that's my favorite thing. I oh, love yeah. when the bees are hatching out of, out of the cocoon, you know, I have to keep going. So. I was going to actually just a moment ago, you were talking about like when you do have a chill day and you're just like, just going out there just to visit, you're like you're not going out there to, to do a lot of hard work and like, you know, go to every single uh, colony and stuff. The question, I guess, and you probably have to get, you get asked this so much about bee stings and stuff, but like, do you, develop a tolerance to bee stings over time is that a thing is like do you get to the point where they don't really hurt or or would it be like i'm here's another way to put it would it take less bee stings to kill me than it would to kill you because you've stung so many times yes so it still hurts and sometimes it depends on on when you get stung if i get stung near the neck or the face it will like the first time I got stung it'll feel like the first time now I don't swell up anymore so I develop um an immunity towards the bee stings towards the venom uh it's like I said it still hurts sometimes I let me tell you sometimes I get a little mad at them you know what I mean yeah if I get stung more than three times that's that's a little too much for me um but yes being um so with me I tolerate the pain I am used to the pain and at some you know it's almost 17 years <laughs> yeah, yeah so and I cannot even tell you how many times I've gotten stung and uh yeah you become you're like a bee sting it's like uh it's like somebody pricking you with a ne- needle to it's me a, that's funny you would mention that because uh when I got my first tattoo that was how I described you know, I was, I was, eight, I was 18 and most of my friends didn't have tattoos at that point. You know, like I was one of the first people to get a tattoo and, I, and like, it was like, Oh, did it hurt? And I was like, honestly, it reminded me almost exactly of what a bee sting feels like, but I'm sure that's, <laughs> yep. 
what's the word for that uh, perspective or like, you know, cause I'm sure a bee sting hurts worse to some people than it does to others. So, and I'm sure some people yeah. don't think tattoos hurt at all. You know, I know that some people that are covered head to toe to tattoos and I don't think that they find any pain in that. So it's very subjective, I, know I guess. It hurts. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. No, it definitely hurts. Um, a bee sting will, yeah, it's different pain. Yeah. You know, it's just a different level of pain. Uh, sometimes, like I said, depending on where you get stung, sometimes that pain will remain for hours. Sometimes, like I got stung on the knee the other day, and um, I kept banging my knee, and by the end of the day, my knee was pretty pretty sore. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, uh, I uh, I stepped on a bee <laughs> once when I was a kid, and so it stung me like on the bottom of the foot, and so. Oh, basically for the most of the day i couldn't really walk anywhere because like i couldn't put my foot down on the ground without and it was like that might be the worst place to get well there might be worse places but that's got to be in the top 10 worst places to get sung is directly on the bottom of your foot yeah <laughs> oh yeah that and that's just that because you try to it, it will itch and um it's not like you can itch your the bottom of your foot you know what i mean yeah. it'll tickle yeah, exactly so I, this is all coming back to me i was very young when this happened but like i'm having a flashback of memories of like yeah it itched and i was like ah. <laughs> i think the itching is the worst part it's like yeah, the yeah. itch is worse than the, like the pain yeah it is because you're trying to that's that's how you're trying to like get rid of the pain by itching it itching it itching it and uh yeah the bottom of your foot would be <laughs> would be tough <laughs> i'll tell you where the worst spot is though now that we're speaking about it the nose Oh, between your, your lip and your nose yeah that would oh, yeah between sounds... the lip and the nose and then when you try that to that will make you cry <laughs> yeah yeah i've never even thought about that being like a really sensitive area that is a very sensitive area um on your armpit <laughs> it's a very sensitive area too yeah i imagine you probably have you've gotten stung more places than almost like anyone i've ever met so I, i'm gonna take your word for it on ah. some of the worst places it could happen <laughs> I would assume. Yep. I would assume that like a nipple might be like excruciating. <laughs> it probably is. I couldn't tell you that one. Or, that, or an, you know, an, I've told people. I've told people. And I, yes, the eye is definitely um, bad. On the eye, you 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 would swell up. Even a beekeeper. Even I don't get. I've never gotten stung on the eye. To be honest. Uh, maybe close by, you know, the cheek, the forehead, but never on the eye. I mean, I don't even want to um, think about getting stung in the eye. Like, because like, I, I get freaked out about things poking me in the eye. Seriously. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, you know, yeah. Even a beekeeper would swell up. Yeah. My husband, my husband gets stung all the time on the eyes because he, he hates wearing the mask because he can't see very, very well. So he'll he'll take the these things and then later on he'll have like a swelled up part of the face, a swelled up eye, oh or sometimes even the whole face. If that and if that did. happened to me once, I would wear goggles permanently. Uh -huh. I would never I would never go outside <laughs> without goggles again. <laughs> uh, actually, I had a question. This is something we that I had just mentioned uh, just when I was reading your bio at the beginning, and because you you have uh, one thousand. 300 hives and i was just trying to kind of put that in perspective like like is that like a million bees because i have no idea how many bees are in a hive so how do you do you try to ever measure that or is that just too 
Well, they say that a good colony should have um, over 100,000, from 100,000 bees to 150, a good, good colony. Oh, so you have so millions you, and millions I, and millions of bees. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm a millionaire. Yeah. <laughs> so tell people. <laughs> well, and then actually that helped. I mean, moving forward to so some of the stuff I was going to talk about right after that, you know, when you were saying you're a millionaire, like the thing is that bees are an extremely valuable uh, resource to the planet. And uh, I didn't want to like get into way too of some heavy conversations in the beginning, but I really do. Uh, I, Cause I was going to start talking about, you know, your work as a pollinator, but it mm -hmm. made me think so much about an environmental question. And I, I kind of wanted to start there and then go more into like the, the actual, like how you do the work, but this is yeah. just more kind of a, like an environmental question. Okay. And uh, cause you know, obviously beekeepers are crucial to commercial farming. Like, you know, the, your bees go to California and that's how they're able to produce almonds and uh, so on and so forth. Where, you know, wherever you take your bees, that's how these crops are made. But with the decline of the wild bee population, uh, do you think that beekeepers will become crucial to the biome in general or has that possibly already happened i hmm. i'm sorry i'm sorry I, to hit you, you with know, so much so, so early on in the conversation but it's something that <laughs> no that's that's a good that's a good question um i, I just found out that the, well, the declining of oh i'm sorry i'm sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you no go ahead oh i was just gonna say that i had just found out the that the north american honeybee just got put on the endangered species list so that yeah. was having me thinking that you know like someone like you because you you keep these bees and so many of them it must be really beneficial to the environment around where you work exactly um well bees are declining that's a that's um that's a fact when i try to explain people about bees declining i don't mean just honeybees i mean the the native bees also which we got thousands of, of species of bees. Um, so uh, yeah, you know, the beekeepers keeping bees and doing what we do. I, I think that they, yes, we are helping definitely the environment, you know, um, not so much about keeping the other bees alive, uh, which is also important, the native bees. Uh, but um, I think, I think at some point, yeah, we're definitely going to need the beekeepers to to keep it to keep the whole uh environmental uh thing going the ecosystem um i couldn't i couldn't go towards that subject you know because then and then i get stuck a little bit oh yeah and <laughs> and i didn't want to uh i really didn't mean to like just come out of the very beginning of this uh episode and start bringing up dark you know sad stuff like you know, uh, like an endangered species type of situation. But I was curious about just, you know, like in exactly how you answered it, just uh, what you think maybe the role of beekeepers would be uh, as far as keeping certain species alive. Or it, I, I think I have like a clunky analogy that just kind of popped in my head. It's kind of like, um, el like elephant refuges, you know, and where like maybe mm -hmm. possibly elephants could be extinct if it wasn't for the fact that there are people intervening to keep elephants alive and but obviously but the thing that's is that's right and elephants are beautiful creatures and i would hate to live in a world where they don't live but the thing about bees mm -hmm. is we can't live in a world where bees don't live it's impossible it is impossible um they 
they basically pollinate the air that I, I, I put it this way. We they pollinate the, the air that we breathe. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, they, they're the ones responsible for, for the oxygen, you know? So and yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's like we wouldn't have it's I mean, it's that cascading effect. We don't have bees and then we don't have uh flora and then we don't have fauna and then we don't reproduction yeah the reproduction of 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 plants for sure um so moving away from uh doomsday (laughs) talk uh but back but uh still i mean it's it's funny because the next question that i was gonna ask you that's where the first question came from but it really is moving back into what did like so this is a lot of stuff like like i was saying i don't understand what you do for a living totally especially the part is like a pollinator and so, like, so your bees travel through a network of different farms and they perform different functions in each place. Can you kind of tell me how that system works? Okay, so, but first of all, let me say, yeah, without some, some crops out there like almonds, like apples, like cherries, um, they, they have to have bees without the bees they wouldn't be it's not that they wouldn't be apples or cherries or almonds it's just that they wouldn't be as many let's put it that way they they with pollinating these crops uh the bees increase over 50 percent of the how do you say that the yield of of you know the, the 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 plants or the fruits i'm sorry pollination is definitely very important in this country being us being uh united states being such a large farming country you know we we are responsible for producing a lot of honey here and yeah we um so my 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 home base is new york and um and that's where you make money right yes okay this is i make i make honey in both places okay but uh New York, it's New York. It's definitely beautiful for that. Like we got all four seasons here, you know, spring, summer, fall, and and winter. And we not just that, but like the country itself, we got like lots of floral, diverse diversity. Is that a word? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah, we start in New York. We pollinate apples, cherries, fruit trees, and not just that, but through the summer we also do. Um, we also do squash, pumpkins, cucumbers. Um, now cucumbers and squash is very crucial. They 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 have to have bees for sure. Otherwise, um, the fruit would just not grow that the way it should be grown. Yeah. So we pollinate those, and and then when they're done pollinating, we'll put them in, in, I call it the woods. We pull them in, we put them in the woods, like wild places, sometimes in, in people's backyards. If they have like a, such a big fields where they, where they have lots of um, uh, plants and, and, and flowers that bees can get to. So, and, like, so when you're, this is like these, like these apple orchards and like the, these other types of like fruits and vegetables, these are like all individual different types of farmers that you work with right like yes. so so you'll like do you make like a a deal with someone and you're like i'm gonna for your apple orchard i'm gonna uh place so many uh bee hives over here that's like what i believe it's gonna require to keep your apple orchard alive is that how that works or well no um <laughs> the apples farmers the apple farmers 
have done their homework and they know how many beehives uh, or bees they need per acre. So they're the ones that tell me I want 50 hives on this orchard. I want them spread out this, this far, and they will give you the places where you have to go. Sometimes those places are uh, pretty far into the woods. But yeah, they do the research and they tell you how many bees are they going to rent from you. They basically rent them. Uh, they're there for three weeks. And in three weeks, you have to pull them out because they have to do their stuff. That's how it works for the app, you know, for, for any pollination, basically. How do you transport bees? We get a skid steer and they're built on pallets. Um, a lot of bees, you'll see it on 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 Instagram, YouTube. They're all built on bottom boards. We call them bottom boards um, as single beehives. Not ours. Commercial beekeepers are built on pallets, and those pallets have little little holes that a skid steer can get to it. And we move them with uh, skid steer. We load them up on trucks, stacked up uh, one on top of the other, and uh, we tie them down so that they don't slide off. And down the road we go. And then, like, so if you have a whole bunch of different hives in one truck all the bees they know how to stay with their own like they know to go back to their own home to like the, the hive that they belong in they do because every beehive um has a, its own smell they develop their own smell so those bees inside that hive they stay all of them smell like that so the next beehive might different you know has a different smell so the one cannot go to the other one they already I mean, that's that they direct themselves by smell. Okay, and, cool. But they, you know, in, in in the process, sometimes they will get confused and they will try to go to the wrong hive. I'm not saying that it doesn't happen. It does happen. And sometimes we, you know, we try not to leave bees behind. That's um, that's a heartbreaking for me because I do love my bees. Nobody more than beekeepers loves yeah. bees. Yeah. And uh, so we try to do, you know, they can only be moved at night or rainy days or in the cold. They don't come out during those three um, things. But yeah, you know, it's sometimes it'll happen. It'll get warm or uh, maybe it's a little still day daylight and they might come out of the hive and they might just, you know, try to sting you or yeah. Um, complain at you like what are you doing lady <laughs> you're moving my home <laughs> no, I literally. This... and they will come out and, and, and get get lost it sounds like the plot like a really good plot for a pixar movie of like a beehive that like has to go be like moved to a farm and then like some bee like he gets lost and i i don't know and somebody like tries to find a home i'm, try I'm trying to think of who i want to cast as the bee like like kevin hart is the bee and he's like, he's lost and he's like, and he has to make a bunch of like friends to find his way to the apple orchard. I don't know. This is just a, uh, like a movie. It's a movie pitch. It's not a full idea. Uh, so I, have you seen the B movie? I haven't seen the B movie. Cause like, you know what? No, I'm not a, I'm not a big funny. fan of uh, Jerry Seinfeld. And I know some people are going to just like roll their eyes at me on that. Yeah. But... I, I wasn't either. <laughs> but is, is, is that a good movie? Nope, I get you. Cause I love, I love it Pixar is. movies. I, I love all of them. I just like, I didn't like the Seinfeld TV show and it might've just been my age when like, cause my mom liked it. And when I was a little kid and I was just like, I hate this show. So 
it might be the kind of thing that just when I was introduced to it is why I didn't like it, but uh yep, yep. You know what? After yeah, but this, if, you, if you ever have a chance, you should watch it. It's it's so funny. I'm gonna make it uh, I'm gonna put on my list of movies to watch after this interview because <laughs> it would be insane for me not to watch B movie after doing this. <laughs> Hold up. It's time for another My Views or My Own Astrological Reading. This week's horoscope is for Libra. Hello, Libra. The most significant new moon of the year has recently appeared and opened a doorway to many exciting new possibilities. The most likely of which is that the Paris Climate Agreement will now be considering all Libras, regardless of location, as one sovereign nation state. Fortunately, Mars will power through your zodiac sign to bring you the ambition, energy, and strength to accept your new role as members of an international treaty. As Mercury moves retrograde, the other nations of the Paris Agreement have decided that even though Libras represent roughly one-twelfth of the world's population, all Libras will be required to reduce their collective carbon emissions to less than the country of Switzerland. You might be saying, how is that fair? Switzerland is a tiny country that has no real industry outside of shady banking and souvenir pocket knives. Well, okay. Do you want to tell Pluto, Saturn, and Jupiter, who will all be going through your side this month, that you can't compete with a country that literally didn't even lift a finger to help the Allied forces fight the Nazis in World War II? <laughs> I didn't think so. Also, the full moon this month takes place in your solar seventh house of significant relationships. So take from that what you will. I hope this was helpful, Libra. And now back to the interview. I had one more question that was still re related to like, kind of like the process with like the pollination stuff. And when you were saying that when you, uh, when you got down to like, so in the winter you got down to Florida and you said that's your staging zone. And that's like, I guess to get the bees healthy and ready to have to travel all the way to California. How does that work? Okay. So here in New York, that's what we're doing right now. We're harvesting our fall or fall honey. And to move them to another state, you know, that um, we don't leave them here. We don't like the winter here. They do way better in warm weather. So we pack up everything and we, we head down south. We got a farm down south also. So for us to transport the bees, they have to be certain weight. Otherwise, the tractor trailer, the tractor -trailer truck will be overloaded. Right. So we have to take some of that honey off off of them. And we try to leave um, a box of honey on them so that they can it's for them to have. And, you know, if the truck's a little overweight and then we might pay extra for the next for, you know, another one. But by the time that hit Florida, they especially when it's warm and they cannot find any floral sources, they they'll start eating like crazy because the queen's still laying eggs and those babies need food. Mm -hmm. So they're going to start eating like crazy and you have to feed them. We have, all beekeepers have to feed their, their bees what during you, the winter time. What do you feed them? We feed them fructose or sucrose. One of those two. The, and they, is that what they turn into honey? Is that how honey gets made? Is like they digest that or? They, okay. So when they eat sucrose, sometimes they will pack it in that, in that hive. But for the most part, they digest it themselves. 
they eat it for themselves. Okay, cool. They, they rather, bees have a robbing mentality. They rather eat somebody else's stuff yeah. than their own. <laughs> yeah. So, but there is times that um, if they, you know, if, if their box is a little too full and then they might start storing the, the sucrose underneath where they, where mama lays the eggs. This actually segues really well into my next question. Uh, although I couldn't think of a smart way to uh, say this. So it's going to make me sound like I'm pretty, like, but I said, like I said in the beginning, I'm really naive about uh, beekeeping and all that stuff, even though, yeah. even though I think I, I want to do it. And so there's really no better way to put this. How do you get honey from bees? Like, how does that work? How do I get honey from bees? You're talking about like the process itself or how the bees make the honey or um, um so i just like vaguely understand how they make the honey. like i know they, they go to flowers and they get nectar and they come back and they create honey uh you don't have to go into like the whole scientific process of that but i was curious <laughs> like uh i mean how do you like get a hold i mean how do you get a jar of honey out of a beehive that's i really don't okay. get, i really don't know how you do it oh okay gotcha so we have uh we have boxes called supers and those supers are where they store the honey. So we have a beehive, uh, which is a little bigger than a super. And uh, we have the super on top and that's where they store their, their honey. When they're making honey, we put another super on top of that. And we wait, I don't know, sometimes they can fill that box in three, four days of honey completely. And you check them every so often. I check them every six days, especially if they're not having honey flow. So in six days, if that that box is full of honey, we put another one on top and they will fill that other one. Same thing, you know, six, seven days until like the flow start to slow down. Sometimes we get three boxes, sometimes we get two. Uh, and the lucky, the lucky years we get four. when it's time to extract the honey, when it's time to pull the honey, which that's what we're doing right now. So we use this acid pads and this acid pads, uh, they get sprayed with a, it's not a, yeah, it's a chemical, but it doesn't harm the bees. It stinks like rotten egg. And what it does is makes the bees, uh, go down. They, they try to move away from that smell. Hmm. So once that uh, super, it's um, free of bees, we remove it with a hive tool and we stack it up on pallets. Um, you know, same thing when we put back the acid pad on the next one. And when we're down to that super that they always keep, and that's it for us. And then we try, we cover up the hive and, and um, you know, leave. Sometimes we get a pallet or so. A pallet's got 30. 36 supers. Sometimes we get one, sometimes we get two. Like I said, on the good years, we get three. How does and, that translate um, to like a, like a mason jar? Huh? That's what I'm, just, so, I'm just trying to put it in terms of a, a I, measurement I understand. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know jars because I don't really, I just got into the retail business uh, last year. But everything that I do, I do in a bigger scale. So I do barrels. Okay. So a pallet. <laughs> that has 36 supers might get me one and a half barrels, which is 55 uh, gallon um, drum. <laughs> okay. So that's a, that's a good amount of honey. From, okay. I, I don't know why yes. I, was, 
I was sort of under the impression that like you didn't get like a, a ton of honey from like one hive, but I guess you could really get a ton. Like, I mean, not literally. But okay, like, so yeah, one hive can on a honey flow they can give you uh, they say forty pounds, around forty pounds. Wow, that's crazy. So like, so like these tiny bees are creating forty pounds of honey. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's what oh, uh, they do. And this. I love how like this is I didn't plan this at all that we keep segueing into like the next thing I wanted to talk about, but it keeps perfectly happening. Uh, but now now that we are talking about honey and I feel like this is uh, something like obviously you're producing uh, raw organic honey. And I'm yeah. sure a lot of people don't know this, but uh, most of the stuff that's in the supermarkets isn't really honey or and that it you know it lacks the nutrients that uh, real honey has. So my question ultimately is, uh, what are some of the health benefits of eating actual, like raw organic honey? Okay, so it's not organic. We call it all natural. Oh, okay, we don't, I'm sorry. In the United States, we don't want to call it organic. Organic is places that they don't, farmers that they don't, you know, they don't use pesticides whatsoever. And here in the United States, everywhere you go, you know, the farmers use pesticides. Um, not that the honey has any pesticides, but we don't like to call it organic. We call it all natural raw honey. I think why I was using the, the word organic is because I know you don't put additives into it or you're not putting, you know, okay, like, gotcha. like, a lot, like a lot of these companies that, you know, that are on the, the grocery store shelves or, you know, someplace like that, you know, that you're basically, they're selling you like some corn syrup with like some honey in it that's been filtered yeah. in such a way that it doesn't have anything of any nutritional value left so that's any nutritional value exactly so, I, I definitely uh, see how i was misusing right. the term organic <laughs> <laughs> okay okay well every time i i hear the word organic in honey and i'm like okay so that uh you know i i like to clarify that it, this just doesn't happen here in the united states yeah um but yes, I, I mean, a lot of these companies buy their honey from China and it's mixed with rice syrup. So it's basically 80% sugar. And, you know, the other 20%, it's honey. Um, because that's what they do in here in the United States. They try to mix um, American honey with that Chinese honey so that at some level, you can actually call it honey and not yeah. rice syrup. <laughs> um, the benefits, well, raw honey has propolis. Propolis is uh, known for helping your immune system, for strength your immune system. Um, I actually, once in a while, I'll scrape some of the propolis out of, out of a hive and I'll eat it raw, which is super sticky. It's like super glue. And also it's got um, pollen and pollen, it's known for being a superfood. Um, so it has some of that and, and just, you know, the pure honey itself, it's, it's, um, yeah, it's very, very nutritional. Um, they, they've used it for thousands of years, uh, for as cough medicine. Every time I have, I feel like a little down or something. I don't, me, I'm all on the natural side. I do herbs or teas 
or you know if I have a headache I'll try to rub my head or something like that and other than, than taking pills I'm more towards the natural so whenever I'm feeling down that I feel like a little scratchy throw and I feel like I might get a little cold or something and then I make me um I make me a shot of honey with lemon and that to me it's my it's my it's my medication I absolutely love uh I, I haven't done it quite like that like a shot of honey with lemon but um I actually to be completely honest my home remedy that I've for many years you know when I start to feel like I'm coming down with something and I know this is not a healthy thing and so I'm not trying to promote this out here as like this is something you should do it's just something that I started doing you know when I was younger and and it makes you feel better but uh it's I just make a hot toddy which is basically you know it's uh hot water and lemon with honey and a shot of whiskey and yeah, the, you know, I've it's, heard so of that. It's, well, it's, it's, you know, it's warm. And obviously the honey and the lemon are actually good for you. And the lemon or the, uh, the honey coats your throat, especially if you're having a sore throat or a cough, anything like that. And then the whiskey just makes you kind of relax and hopefully go to sleep. <laughs> but exactly. That, that is my, that. my honey home remedy. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I've heard of people making it with tequila instead of the the whiskey. Oh, a hot toddy with tequila. That doesn't that sounds like it wouldn't taste as good. Nah, well, I've never <laughs> tried it before, but I know that especially in Mexico, like my friends from Mexico will say um that's what they do, you know. Yeah. It's more like what what you're used to. So I guess like for me, like I'm, you know, I'm more used to whiskey. I'm not really a big tequila guy, so but you know what? Yeah. If I ever move to Mexico, I might, and I ever get sick, I will You're make gonna, hot toddy with tequila. I have to, definitely. Because <laughs> <laughs> tequila is everywhere there. <laughs> uh, so just, uh, do you have any other, like, moving moving away from things like hot toddies, which are clearly not the, I'm sure <laughs> that a, a doctor would not say that I'm, I'm making a good choice with that. Are there any other, like, little, like, home remedies uh, using honey that you can think of? Home remedies. Uh, well, that is the one that I told you. It's um, it's the one that I use. I I do another one with uh, turmeric, turmeric and ginger. Yeah, I make a shot of uh, honey, turmeric, ginger, and a little bit of uh, hot water or warm water. Yeah, and basically that's it's not for curing anything, but more for like uh, uh for like a daily immune system support. Is that called uh? I mean, I might be completely wrong. Is that called golden honey, that uh, concoction? I think, you know, I've heard of it. I I couldn't tell you that that's how they call it. I've had but someone make I, that for me before. And the, the ingredients you just described, I am almost certain was what I was made for me. It's like, a, it's an energy booster too. Like, yeah, it's like you, Yes. it's good for you. It boosts your immune system, but also boosts your energy. So it's like, it's like, you could even potentially, if you have to, you could like skip a meal by doing, uh, by adding those things like turmeric, ginger, honey, and just some hot water and drink that down. And you're going to be able to like get through for a few hours. Well, that's, um, you know, uh, a lot of beekeepers are not fascinated with the honey. <laughs> my, my husband doesn't eat honey whatsoever. He never did. But me on the other side, I use honey for everything, like to put, to sweeten up everything and anything. So yeah, honey. Yeah, that's 
Yeah, I mean, that's my got, number one. You literally have you have a superfood at your fingertips at all times. How are you not going to just put it on everything? Exactly. Hold up. It's time to reach into the mailbag. Every week on the show, we check the mailbag to see if anyone has written a message into the show that's important, and then we read that message out loud. This week's message comes from Entrepreneur Business Lady. Entrepreneur Business Lady said, <clears throat> Hello. Sorry for the random approach. Handshake emoji. I was wondering if you would be interested in making some extra cash for your bills, rent, groceries, or any personal issues. This is 100% legitimate and IRS approved. If you're interested, DM cash to find out how it works. Thank you. Okay. Um, personal issues, personal issue. The fuck you mean personal issues? I've never had a personal issue in my life. The only personal issue I have is with you, entrepreneur business lady. You make me sick. Anyway, thanks for writing into the show, entrepreneur business lady. And I'm so glad you like the podcast. Thanks and keep listening. And now back to the interview. Uh, Cindy, That's I have to tell you one thing. We are getting yeah. dangerously close to the lightning round. Um, and I don't, I know you're probably not familiar with how the lightning round works on this podcast, but that's where I, what I do is I ask you questions, but it's like super fast. So I'll ask you the question and then you don't have any time to think, uh, you just have to, uh, answer with a gut reaction. So it's just kind of like a very candid part of the, uh, it's like almost like the game part. Is that cool? Are you ready to do that? Okay. Uh, I, I can try. Only, I think only one of these is even really a hard question. Uh, okay. And you can always hard. just say, you can always say pass, but I, I have okay. a feeling you're going to win no matter what. So don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> oh, this is, yeah, this is one of the ones. So I know that I keep asking you these like kind of obscure B like science fact things, but I really wanted to know this. And when, when we talked about it a little bit earlier, when you were talking about transporting the hives, how far can a bee travel from its hive and still be able to find its way back seven miles seven miles about yes seven they've they've researchers have found out that a bee can actually travel seven miles to you know to a floral source and come back but usually they would do three miles a three mile radius i can barely go seven miles from my house and find my way back I know <laughs> it's unbelievable what these little critters can do, but yeah, if they're, if, you know, if they don't, and I'm talking about seven miles, uh, if they cannot find anything out there for them to eat, so they will travel, 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 uh, to get to that food source. But you know, if, if it's a, if it's a very flower populated, uh, area, three, three miles is what they do a three mile the radius that's so crazy because they're so small so like that would be like to me that would be like what going literally to like russia and then finding my way home like <laughs> with i know a vehicle being so little <laughs> but they can also fly i mean they fly quicker and then you can walk <laughs> uh this next question so i 
you don't have to go super in depth. I know I've been, I've been asking you like a lot of like technical stuff, but I am curious, mm -hmm. how do you start a new bee colony? So uh, we do this called the split. We split a hive. So what we do is put another, um, another hive. That hive's got a name. We got the super and I can't believe that I forgot that. Well, we're going to call it the hive. Uh, okay. It's the big box, the brood box. So what we do is we put another brood box that it's empty on top of that one hive and have the, the queen laid eggs on that top box. And once they have at least five frames of, of brood laid on that, on that um, box, what we do is uh, we would, that means it's ready. So what we do is we take it away by shaking the frames of that, um, of that box because you know you can find the queen you can do it the slow way and try to find the queen because we don't want to steal the queen from that hive right we're making a new one so what we do is we shake the frames off um and once the 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 box completely empty we put this thing called the excluder and an excluder is the bees can get through it but the queen cannot because the queen's got a bigger tail little fatter uh, yeah. tail than the rest of them. So that excluder is made for that, for the queen not to cross. So we'll put an excluder and then we put the box back on top. And then the nurse bees will go on the top and try to take care of the babies. And later that day, usually we do night or even super early in the morning or at night, we'll remove that box and we cover up the, the, the actual hive. And we take it at least three miles so that the bees don't try to, the bees of that next box don't try to go back to their actual hive. That's so awesome that the, the, the three mile radius thing came back. Three miles. <laughs> yep. Yes. Uh, it has to be at least three miles. Otherwise, when those bees get up in the morning, they will go flying and they will go back to their original hive. They will find their way to the original hive. If you move them within um, a mile or so, that's too close. So anyways, when we move them, so the next morning they get up and they know they've been moved. They know that they're in a new location. So they try to GPS the location. They'll fly around. They might be a little pissed, you know, because they don't have um, their mama with them. So, and what we do is try to put a queen right away. In the morning, let's say that we move them at night. So we'll get up early in the morning and we'll have our queens and we will introduce a new queen to that hive. Now the queen has to be in a cage. Otherwise, the bees will kill her because they know that that's not their mother. She doesn't smell like them. So they will try, she, they will think that she's an intruder. So they will try to kill the queen. So the queens have to be in a cage for at least three days. And that cage has a little thing, has a little uh, entrance. And that entrance is black with um, uh, candy. So it takes them about three days for the bees to lick off that candy. <laughs> and by then, the queen already smells like them and, and they have accepted the new queen. And when she comes out and then she just starts laying eggs. That is amazing. And that's how we make the the block to her cage is candy. So like 
in order to get to her, they have to eat candy until they get in. <laughs> and, then, and then by yeah, then they're cooler. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> oh my God. Whoever figured that out. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> that was, that was really fascinating. I'm actually really, really stoked. I asked that question uh, back on like, just uh, on like an envir- environmental uh, type type tip. Um, I don't mean, maybe, maybe there really is not a, great answer to this, but I'm just curious if you have any, uh, insight or something you think might be helpful. And that's, uh, is there anything that, uh, regular people can do to try to prevent bees from, be- from becoming more endangered? Yes. Um, yeah, definitely. There's a few things that regular people can do. They can plant more, um, they can, they can plant more flowers, po- pollination or pollinator flowers, pollinator flowers. I'm sorry. So to have to you know to give the bees and not just honeybees but like the native bees also uh, uh, a source of food, um, stop spraying chemicals. It's another thing um, that we tell people, and um, I mean those two are the basic. Yeah, don't yeah don't spray. I don't. I mean, of- I would. Yeah, I would encourage you to to get a beehive you know and try to raise a hive uh in your backyard and to you know to to increase the 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 population that certainly can put it that way and also i mean everything you just said is like why would you not want more uh beautiful flowers around where you live i mean (laughs) it's a win-win everyone for every reason so all right everybody exactly you're here to hear first go out and plant pollinator flowers for the bees <laughs> and don't, and don't spray roundup just use a lawnmower don't spray roundup yes there is um, a lot of natural things that they can do so <laughs> okay this is going to be the last one of these type of questions but it's just for fun can you tell me an obscure bee fact that i probably don't know bee fact and i'll be honest with you I don't know any obscure bee facts, so it'll be very easy for you to, <laughs> anything you say probably will be something I don't know. <laughs> Other than what you've taught me already today. Um, well, did you know that the bees have five eyes? They have five eyes? They have five eyes, yes. I thought they had two. I really didn't know that. <laughs> no, they have the two where they can see, and that's what are, that's what they use to um the two eyes that you see are the ones that they use to ah i'm lost than words i told you i get tongue-tied oh that's cool um <laughs> you mean just like like for like to, spotting color that, can, they, can they see color it's spotting that's it <laughs> it cannot see color they are uh, they do the the ultraviolet okay uh radius yes i mean they they technically it's not like they see black and white, but they can see some, they can see some colors. Yes. Uh, and then the three, they have three on the forehead. And those are the ones that um, they use for spotting the flowers. Those are the ones that tell you that, that they can identify objects. Oh, cool. That is a very obscure beat yeah. that I had no idea existed uh moving on i'm sorry this is a lightning round i'm supposed to be asking questions really fast and i'm going slow uh all right now this question i feel like it's gonna be one of the hardest ones also it's a debatable question because there are people out there that will debate even if you do have an answer for this 
there are going to be people that disagree with you okay. one way or another. I have an opinion. And that is, what kind of car was the character Bumblebee from the Transformers? What kind of car? That's always Trans Am? I don't know. What is a Trans Am? <laughs> it might be. I, I know the two, like, uh, I know the, I know the two brands of car that. So, do you want me to just say what? <laughs> yes, say because I don't know. <laughs> okay, you can take another guess. I'm fine. <laughs> okay, I know this one because you have no idea, but that is my favorite movie. Transformers okay. is my oh, favorite, okay. so you're, favorite you're, movie. I was gonna say there's two different ones because there's the car that uh, Bumblebee was. In the in the cartoon from when I was a kid, and also the animated movie, oh. but Bumblebee is a completely different car in all the live action movies. So Bumblebee's been two different cars, and it's up to it's up for debate what kind of car Bumblebee really is. Oh, that's kind <laughs> of. Which, but if you but if you is, if you huh? want to say the one from the Transformers movies, I'm not gonna like say that's not true because it's obviously they've made like five of those movies. <laughs> right. Um, a Corvette. <laughs> uh, not super far off. It was a Camaro. That's what he is in the movie. Camaro. That's... But you know, originally that's... he was a Volkswagen Beetle. You're right. You're <laughs> and he right. My, and he my was husband, my favorite. My husband is a fan of it. He was my favorite uh, Transformer from the cartoons and like from the cartoon movies. Uh, and honestly, I'm gonna go ahead and say he's probably my favorite Transformer in the in the ones they made like, but you know, with real people too. So. Whatever. Shout out yes. Bumblebee, best Transformer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and this is something I I know that you, uh, not during this interview, but you had mentioned you got some kind of fut some future plans for some stuff you might be doing with beekeeping other than what you're already doing. And uh, would you care to share what some of that might be? Yes. Um, I like to I like to have a sanctuary a bee sanctuary where you know people that might like you that you, you don't know you're not ready to cross the line and be a beekeeper or have yourself a hive but are so fascinated about bees and would like to to experience uh you know uh a beehive in person and and you know yes the bee world in person and um a bee sanctuary would do that. I'll, um, you know, I will give you a bee suit and I will teach you this is what they do, this is what they don't do, and to give you an experience basically with 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 the bees. Um, another thing I like to teach people, you know, a little more. Even though I'm not, I'm not much of a. I tell I, I tell my friends I'm not much of a teacher. Like explaining things. It's not my thing, at least not in a pro, uh, professional way. You know, I'll tell you things my way. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I would like to, to you know, to have um, some of that, um, a bee school, like a bee school. I think, first of all, I love that idea for every reason. And when one is when we like, were talking about earlier, like, what are some of the ways that we can help uh <clears throat> to make bees less endangered. Obviously, you probably couldn't do anything better than 
creating a you know bee sanctuaries and also education about bees because education is what's going to make more people understand how important it is why you know why we need that and so i support your bee sanctuary 100 percent and, and and someday i hope you have bee sanctuaries all across the country it was like with bee instructors that would be amazing <laughs> that would be awesome for sure that would be towards my retirement plan <laughs> All right. <laughs> At least we have one. I haven't not even begun to think about. <laughs> I I'm got a, a while still, but yeah. I, <laughs> I'm probably going to work until I die, but that's okay. I, hopefully I'll be doing something I love. Um, <laughs> Cindy, I have to ask you the most important question of all, which is, oh, I mean, there's so many things to ask. So I guess really just how can people uh, find you? Uh, like, you know, if somebody wants to, you know, find your honey, your candles, your, uh, everything you do, like, is where are some ways that people can like, uh, check out what you do and more, you know, learn more about, you know, Cindy's beekeeping. And mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah. All right. So I have a website and uh, com, And that name is for all my social medias as well. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, I don't use Twitter so much, but Instagram and Facebook are my two, you know, important things. Um, so yeah, sweet Cindy's honey. Cool. .com or sweet Cindy's honey. All right. That is very simple and very easy to find. Everybody go yeah. out there. Uh, Google sweet Cindy's honey. She's awesome. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I've been a fan of her Instagram for a long time. It's very entertaining. Oh, thank you. And so, uh, and you know, like I said, Twitter is kind of a hard place for kind of like what you do. Like this is very visual. You like, you got it. You got to see like videos of Cindy, like doing stuff with the beehives. It's, crazy and she does it without a bee suit on sometimes which is terrifying <laughs> uh, Cindy I have to say uh, thank you so much and once again also during harvest season to take the time to come on my views around podcast thank you so much it's been it's, it's a pleasure it was a pleasure talking to you and talking about bees and what I do um, you know I love it so thank you <laughs>